welcome to Telling the Tale. It's a podcast that I do sometimes with my co-host, Dustin Jackson. Hey, Dustin, how's it going? Mitch, it's going so well today. Um, I don't even feel like I need to go back in time to redo this uh, this episode intro. Do you, do you, hey, Dustin, do you get more money if you do that? <laughs> I'll never it, tell. Should should I should I start doing it? Is, is <laughs> should it, I should I be getting money? Should I should I be trying money? <laughs> um, Back to the Future colon the game is what we're playing. <laughs> the way you said it makes me think there's an exclamation point at the end. Back to the Future the game. <laughs> well, you know what? I I said it that way, knowing that there's not an excl- uh, exclamation point, but I did write one. On my notes. (laughs) There we go. I did put an exclamation point there where it should not have been there. You should Um, have been in charge of their branding, honestly. Yeah, I mean, why not put an exclamation point at the end of every video game title? Yeah, that gets you excited to play. It's like, whoa, I'm in for a fun time. Yeah. I'm in for some exclamatory feelings. I'm going to go back to the future. Um, Boy, howdy. Is it a fun vibe in Back to the Future? Yeah, it's it's very different from other uh, Telltale games we've played so far. Well, it's especially different from CSI, which is what <laughs> I was really hoping for. Yeah, boy, what a what a what an improvement. Yeah, I guess compared to other Telltale games, that it's kind of like. I guess Sam and Max and Strong Bad is what we've and Bone is what we've covered so far. Uh, this is the most realistic one, but mm-hmm. it's still like a farce of a sci-fi time traveling shenanigan filled thing. Mm-hmm. So it's weird to think of this one as as realistic. It still doesn't feel that way. It's just real human things. Especially when you compare it to the source material. I mean, that was literally live action. So this. Yeah. When in comparison is a more stylized cartoon version of that movie. Back to the Future the game, uh its first episode entitled It's About Time came out hey. on December 22nd, 2010, which was uh, a, a little bit separated from the rest of the series which started releasing uh like the end of Q1, maybe beginning of Q2. 2011 this episode came out before that as a special it, it seemed timed with uh with christmas it was a special thing that they did telltale put out this episode for free oh and, i didn't know that yeah because they i think I, I was reading a lot of stuff about how they put this game out and it's pretty interesting they up to this point had found success with Sam and Max, and they were pretty happy with that. They found uh, critical success with Tales of Monkey Island, which was great, but we're still talking about franchises which, in the grand scheme of what people make video games about, small potatoes. Yeah, even Sam and Max, which I would say was their biggest one at the time, even that's like a very niche IP. I don't consider that like among the most well-known uh, series out there. Yeah, out of everything they did, Wallace and Gromit might have been their biggest name. And that's but CSI crazy to was think their about. biggest name. But oh yeah, that's true. 
but CSI sucks. <laughs> Enough uh, about CSI. And no, I don't want to hear about CSI right now. <laughs> um, but like the Homestar Runner website and famously commercially unsuccessful video game series Monkey Island, uh, like they they aren't rocketing Telltale to to really big mass amounts of popularity but then they got this deal with universal for a few different um series they were going to do they did back to the future and jurassic park and both of those things are way bigger like way 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 bigger than anything else they've ever done yeah like it's not just like one step up that's like a whole a whole flight of stairs up from what they were working with yeah, I guess someone at Universal is just a really big point-and-click adventure game fan, which I think is funny every time I find out, like, oh, this person likes point-and-click adventure games? That's, that's yeah, strange, the, but I'm the one into that, that. Yeah, the one that got me the most was um, Elijah Wood. He, that's how he got on board with uh, Broken Age when Double Fine was making that. He was just a big fan of uh, the, yeah. the past uh, LucasArts point-and-clicks. Yeah, it, it's so weird to imagine anyone who isn't a personal friend of me playing <laughs> Monkey Island. And yeah. maybe that's a narcissistic take. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Well, I Monkey Island, I would say, is one of the big. Like, I would say that's probably the biggest name in point-and-click adventure games is Monkey Island. But even then, like, you wouldn't put Guybrush Threepwood on the same pedestal as like Mario, even though he I, should be. I think. I think the biggest one is probably King's Quest. Um, oh yeah, but I'm I'm trying to think if if second to King's Quest would be Monkey Island or Sam and Max. Sam and Max might I want to say it. I want to I want to say Monkey Island is because Sam and Max is so many different things. Yeah, not everyone thinks of Sam and Max as a point and click adventure game series, but Monkey that's just what Monkey Island is. For for the for a very long time, Monkey Island was it like indisputably the one. Um, mm-hmm. Now it might be closer. Mm-hmm. But in any case, yeah, someone at Universal liked what Telltale was doing with their uh, with their games, and especially how true they were staying to their their source material in terms of aesthetics which was fairly unique within the industry. If anyone else made a Homestar Runner game, it wouldn't look like the cartoon. Yeah. Um, but Telltale was able to do it, and Telltale had some good writing chops, and Telltale um, really respected the licenses that they were given and didn't just make licensed games in the way that you think of licensed games. So, <laughs> most of the time, yeah. Most of the time. Sometimes... <laughs> I, I don't we can't always be trashing on CSI three dimensions of murder. It's not <laughs> <laughs> it's not the vibe of the show. It's not my destiny to only talk about that game like John Tron talks about nuts and bolts. It's not Yeah, it's even not though CSI probably do. deserves it more, we're not gonna we're not <laughs> <Yeah>. gonna <laughs> Because because Telltale's just done so many other great things that I think even though we're forced to play CSI games it's so easily just dismissible because I've done so many other things I do enjoy. So, at this point, uh, I'm just now realizing I don't I didn't do the introduction of what this podcast is <laughs> uh, like I normally do, which is maybe not great because this episode could be the first episode for someone. 
that is into Back to the Future. Oh, man, if so, only we could go back in time and put it there. Well, let me try it now instead. This is Telling the Tale. We're a podcast dedicated to talking about every single video game that the studio Telltale Games put out while it was still active. We, uh, we've we talked about their, uh, their Texas Hold'em video game. We've talked about Sam and Max, all three seasons of that. We've talked about their Strong Bad game. We've talked about one of their CSI games. We've talked bone. about their Bone games. Yeah. Um, we, we've talked about 31 different Telltale episodes. And this one is thir- our 32nd one of 140. We're getting wow. there, Dustin. Um, it's, episode that's heavy. one, Back to the Future of the Game. It's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little reference. I know Back to the Future. I wanted to watch all three. I wanted to watch all three movies before I played this, but I just didn't have the time. But I did rewatch the first one. Dustin, give me your best Marty McFly real quick. Doc, are you telling me you made a time machine Uh, 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 out of a DeLorean? (laughs) (laughs) There there was a little bit of George McFly in there. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell me that. Every time, so every time I watch this movie, that part cracks me up because my dad, for the longest time, my dad would do that same laugh. Like on purpose, he'd be referencing the movie. Like anytime he wanted to do an over the top laugh, he would do that, uh, the George McFly laugh. And I'm just like, ha ha. I, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my reaction when something's funny too. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a great movie uh yeah it's excellent i prior to this had seen movies one and two and i had not seen three what did you think of them all up uh so i i I watched all three of these uh one and two again and three for the first time for this Mm -hmm. uh it's solid man good all three all three are fun all three are fun number one is like far and away the best one it's but. it's it's the one that stands on its own as a movie. The other two are like they're good, but you can't just like jump in and watch two or three uh, because they're so they reference the first one. So you got to know like everything that happened. But one is just it just works perfectly as a standalone movie. It works as a standalone movie and it just does so many very creative things about like how it's foreshadowing what's going to happen and, and what you need to pay attention to in that beginning 1985 scene before they actually do go back in time mm-hmm. that is just so clever and it, it's so well done and the style of like this is this being someone's approach to sci-fi i think is really inspiring because it's so um like grounded in present day when I think of of grounded sci-fi, I don't think of John Hughes' 1980s teen movie. And yeah. <laughs> they, they did that, and it was great. Um, yeah, it's funny how this is considered yeah. a sci-fi movie, but the sci-fi elements don't, like, take over the whole movie. Yeah, I wrote, uh, I in my research phase for this game, before I even pressed play on the game, I, I wrote down some questions that I wanted to see if I would be answering. Um, so I, I wrote this on my notes. And Dustin, you you let me know if you think there there was an answer to this question. Will okay. they lean into time travel and sci-fi like how the films are remembered 
Or will they stay grounded in the day-in-the-life 80s culture, like how the films actually are? Hmm. Um, I wrote that down before we started playing. Interesting. Are you asking, like, if that'll be answered in this one episode or overall through the whole series? Well, so far in this one episode, which is all we have to talk about right now, um, do you think... How do you think that went? I think they did a good job of sticking to the... uh, sticking to the uh the period i don't think the yeah. sci-fi like because the most sci-fi stuff there are are the delorean and uh young doc brown making the the fuel for the i, th- I think maybe the drill is pushing it <laughs> a little yeah the drill is dumb <laughs> we'll, we'll, <laughs> it, we'll get to that yeah um there's so much to talk about here uh before we even get to the the regular episode like there's there's so much um there's just so much stuff so first of all i loved the movies number one is a classic like all-time classic Mm -hmm. movie two and three are both great fun um well two is three is a little pushing it um that's kind of how i feel too i remember thinking two i i like both a lot but i think two is my favorite of those two just because i think the uh you know the the future visuals are fun, but also I like the way they tie into uh, the stuff from the first movie. Uh, it, it's fun and clever, and I feel like three, three just kind of feels like another adventure rather being tied to that story. Yeah, I something I, I was surprised to find in my rewatch of two was that the 2015 scenes only last like less than a half hour yeah uh, most of the most... movie is going back to the 50s again yeah it's it's still mostly in the 50s and uh it, but you totally remember that 2015 speculative future because mm-hmm. they go so hard and on, on how just so many guesses of how things are gonna go <laughs> um and like they were Jaws. right about all of them jaws getting a bunch of sequels is so funny to me because there are so many other things that got tons and tons of sequels and jaws is there even a jaws 2 yeah there's tons of i think there's like four jaws movies but even then that's not like i wouldn't consider jaws among the series that are like endless sequels like think about saw yeah think about the saw movies they did they didn't know about saw at the time but they did know about rocky um yeah Okay, so there. Uh, never mind. I was I was off base. I I didn't know about Jaws four, <laughs> um, which was a nineteen eighty seven movie. Okay, so that was like concurrent. Now I understand. Um, they didn't know that it would just fall off immediately after Jaws four. <laughs> um, but but yeah, the the two thousand fifteen scenes, which are so fun and cool and have self lacing shoes and stuff, um. That's only less than a half hour of the entire trilogy, and they never go back to it. And yeah. then the Old West scenes in Back to the Future Part 3 are forever. <laughs> They're like an hour <laughs> and a half. You know what's weird to me? I feel like I feel like I like Western-themed things, but not necessarily Western things in movies. Like, in video games, if you have like a Western world, I'm like, yes, I love it. I love that I can explore this area. Uh, but if it's in like a movie or something, I'm not, well, some things excluded, 
Uh, Rango is one of my favorite movies ever made. But, um, yeah, I feel like just watching a Western scene in a movie, it's kind of like, well, okay, well, I've seen this. I I really like cowboy movies. I do like old, like, Clint Eastwood, and mm-hmm. uh, I guess that's a, a pertinent <laughs> one to mention, considering that uh, Marty McFly uses that name. I like Clint Eastwood, too, but not the one you're thinking of. Um, <laughs> I like Clint Eastwood movies and, and uh, you know, Magnificent uh, Seven, just, just all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And... I don't like Western movies, though, and I think there's a big difference. I, I think a cowboy movie talking about like the heroism of, of a cowboy or the the corruptibility of a cowboy in that time period is a very specific genre of thing that takes more from the sam uh, like the samurai tradition in Japanese film mm-hmm. than actual Western tropes. But then, if it's just like about the West. Like Back to the Future Part 3 kind of is. It's just sort of about the time period. That's boring, man. It's just dirty over there, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, but I, <laughs> I do... more than dirty. Yeah, but I will say the third movie is still a lot of fun despite it. Yeah, it, it, it's not It's not a bad movie at all. It's it, just, it, does, it does a good job with what it's given. I just don't want to hang out in the Old West. <laughs> Doc is so excited about it, and I love that for him, but I can't be excited for him. I get it. Saloons, pianos, yawned. <laughs> um, he, here's another thing that I've, I, I've I found out in my research phase. I think that we can both agree that the most pivotal moment mm-hmm. in terms of design evolution at Telltale was the first season of The Walking Dead. Um, yes. That was a turning point. I will say, though, I think this might be a, a strong contender for number two most important pivotal turning point. It definitely uh, feels like the history. halfway point between the two. Like, it, this and Jurassic Park are kind of the games that bridge the gap between Sam and Max and Walking Dead. I mean, they literally are. But you can feel kind of the change in design philosophy. Well, l- listen to this. I've, I, uh, I looked up exactly when this game came out and which things came out right before it and right after it. Mm-hmm. It be, it came out in between Puzzle Agent 1 and Puzzle Agent 2, in between Poker Night at the Inventory 1 and por- Poker Night 2, mm-hmm. in between Sam and Max and The Walking Dead, in between Tales of Monkey Island and Jurassic Park. It's right, like, right in between the the, the eras. It, it's, it is the turning point. Wow. Um, Poker Night came out before this? Poker Night 1, yeah. Interesting. Uh, For some reason I thought that was... For some reason I was thinking that was like right before Walking Dead. I got my times mixed up. I think think Poker Night 2 came out like right after Walking Dead, I Mm -hmm. think. Uh, so if, if if there's a moment to think about like, okay, where are we going as a company? What are these games going to be like? It is now. It is the first episode of Back to the Future. And this was an important episode. Uh, Like I was saying earlier, they gave it out for free. And if you pre-ordered the season, they gave you uh, Puzzle Agent for free. Whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah, they they tried bundling all kinds of games in, in like, just, hey, 
definitely get on board for this. Like, they wanted it to be the big moment for Telltale. And I, it's funny because they already had the deal for The Walking Dead inked at this time. But they were thinking like, oh, well, Walking Dead's just some comic book. Um, like Back maybe to the Future are, is a huge movie. Back to the Future is, yeah. Back to the Future and Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park launched as the most successful movie of its time. Yeah, so isn't that I, crazy? They got Jurassic Park and nowadays it's that's like barely even remembered as part of Telltale's history. Yeah, Jurassic Park. They got Jurassic Park. They got Guardians of the Galaxy during the height of the MCU. Um, they got <laughs> they got Minecraft, st- and they called it Story Mode in an effort to confuse parents. <laughs> <laughs> and and like it, none of those things are quite that big of a deal <laughs> compared yeah. to The Walking Dead, which was just some Walking Dead comic just book blew people away. Both The Walking Dead and Sam and Max were just some comic books that, yeah, at the time were popular, but not like the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. And I would consider those two probably the two I, when I think Telltale, I think Sam and Max and Walking Dead are the two that are right up at the top. Um. Well, okay. Let me ask you this. Okay. Let's get into it. We played. It's about time. What do you think? Um, it's not my favorite. I like it. It's not my yeah, favorite thing right? we played so far. You know what I think it is about this? I was thinking this once it ended. I was like, oh, that's it? It feels like... Don't get me wrong. I could be wrong about this because I haven't played the whole season. To me, it comes across as them trying to make this whole season feel like a movie so Mm -hmm. this feels like the first act of a movie rather than like a whole episode of a story to me not a whole lot happens in it well the 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 climax of this episode is putting this age's tannin into a pile of manure which is usually like the first third well, in, it's like within the first third of movies one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it actually is the end of movie three as well. Um, so it's not always at the beginning. But that that's kind of the thing that they're going for. They're trying to say like, okay, this these aren't individual stories. This is going to be one story told over five episodes. Yeah, um, which makes sense. I, You yeah. know, that's kind of the direction that Telltale will go in. But I just think coming off of, like, Sam and Mac season three, it's a little underwhelming going in yeah. once this episode finishes. Really not a whole lot happens. You're kind of in the same, like, couple areas. You don't really do that much. Yeah, it kind of feels the scope of, like, a season one Sam and Max game. Even which... then... I kind of feel like season one of Sam and Max, you had like a whole story there. Here you're yeah. walking around, you're talking to people. You can go in like all these buildings, but like nothing happens except for in like two of them. There aren't a whole lot of people to talk to either. Even like the big characters in this episode, like Edna Strickland, for example, you talk to her. She's she's here to do her puzzle. You don't really get a that good a grasp on her. You kind of figure out what she do, does, but then she's just gone. So it, yeah. it it's a little underwhelming, but 
I don't think it's bad. I, think, I still had a good time. I I think that I did all of the right things to like get myself disappointed for this episode because <laughs> I um I I watched the three movies in preparation for playing this game and they were great and I kind of fell back in love with the franchise as I did that. Mm-hmm. Um I really enjoyed that. And we had just played Devil's Playhouse, which I think shows off the extreme lengths of of putting quality into things that Telltale can do. Just a, a, a masterpiece of point-and-click adventure games. Mm-hmm. And then also, we had just played CSI Three Dimensions of Murder, <laughs> which was like a poopy thing. Yeah. Uh, so I was just so excited to play like, oh man, I love Back to the Future. I love what Telltale can do when they're really firing on all cylinders. And then this just didn't, it wasn't Devil's Playhouse worthy. It wasn't that level. Yeah, even the first episode of Devil's Playhouse is like way better than this. But I I, I don't want to sound too mean because it's not like this is like Moai Better Blues levels or anything. No, it's not that. It's, It's just, it's a slow start. I feel like once we play the season overall, it'll will be more positive on it but having only played this first episode i'm a little compared to what we were used to on this show anyway it's a little underwhelming i think there another part of it is um there's just not very much room to explore at all yeah Um, you only have like that one so you start out in doc's office but then you go to uh what's the year you go back to specifically 1931 1931 that's it you're just kind of exploring 1931 hill valley in that one spot you can go to like a couple more areas but that's really the only spot you have to explore and move around in that's it yeah i even moai better blues which is an episode that we sort of go to of uh as an example of not having much of a punch not having much of a like a purpose to it Mm mm-hmm in that episode, you can explore the whole Easter Island, and that's that's at least three rooms, and then you can go back to the street uh, that you you work on, and that's like three more rooms, counting Stinky's Diner and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so between all of that, you really had a, a lot of room to explore, and and that could make the fairly isolated simple puzzles feel more strategic because it could involve things from like way over the on the other side of the map um which in that case did just mean more walking and wasn't interesting but it Mm -hmm. could at least provide the illusion of like hey i'm i'm exploring i'm doing something and here um it, it it's very segmented things let let's get into the structure of the episode okay um it's a cold open and it's exactly the scene the the famous uh twin pines slash lone pine mall scene from the first movie where uh doc has marty there it's like one in the morning and they use the delorean for the first time with einstein in it and yeah you're they, gonna see some serious shit yeah <laughs> they they send it back in time or or they send it forward in time for a minute but it, it it's different this time because einstein just doesn't come back yeah uh, that's weird to me well it it, it is i guess dream. it's weird to them too 
Oh, right, it is a dream. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It, it's revealed to be a dream, uh, and this is this is Marty um, sensing something is amiss with the DeLorean and Einstein, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's revealed when Marty wakes up that six months have passed since the end of Back to the Future, where Marty went back to living in the year uh, 1985, although now it's 1986, and Doc got married to an old west woman who was supposed to die but didn't uh and they had kids and uh now they live in a time traveling train that can go anywhere they want in the multisphere <laughs> so that happened 6 months ago in Marty's perspective i really like that that's just something you bring up like it's not the biggest deal in the world oh yeah they have a time traveling train they can go anywhere but that's just the setup marty yeah. has to get to docks the train flies too. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so th- so they that's that's the setup. That's the idea. Um, after six months, the city government takes control over Doc's stuff, and it wants to sell it all in order to uh, pay back Doc's creditors, because I guess he borrowed a lot of money, um, which yeah. tracks. That's kind of the shitty, not taking care of yourself thing he would do. Yeah. Uh, so Marty wants to go there and make sure that all of his Doc's stuff is is being uh, treated well. And of course it isn't because Biff is there. Uh, and Marty's dad, y- your dad George, uh, who is designed very much to look and sound just like Crispin Glover. Uh, he He's the one officiating the sale in order to make sure that no one else does it and, and is disrespectful to Doc's stuff. Right. He's very much not voiced by Crispin Glover, though. Right. He is. Yeah, he's he's it's sort of the voice. It's it, I mean, it's not his voice. It you they're going for it, but they're not doing. I got to I got to be honest. Job. I got to be honest, Mitch. This is maybe the one performance in this episode that I don't like. <laughs> probably. the only, Yeah, I probably the only one. Um he just sounds a little too like overly cartoonish a little. Well, if you I mean, if you watch the movies, that's true. It, it is, also. but <laughs> yeah, but if you don't have the guy doing it, it's so easy to try to do that and not really pull it off. Now, Biff, it, you, let Marty <laughs> have the thing. <laughs> He's always that saying famous that. line. Let Marty have the thing, Biff. Now, Biff, give Marty back his cool <laughs> guitar and the amp that explodes every time. He's always he's always standing beside behind him, saying it, <laughs> waving his finger. Yeah, he, the only phrase your dad ever says in this game is "Now, Biff." His eyes light up in the shadow. Now, Biff. <laughs> it plays dramatic, scary music. Now, Biff. Except, I think both of us did a closer Crispin Glover impression than the actual actor. Like, just yeah. Now. It sucks because I think everyone else in this episode does a great... I have it written down in my notes. I think uh, Christopher Lloyd does an amazing job here. Christopher Lloyd, yeah, I, I think he does. Uh, I did write down that there are a couple lines of his where it sounds a little bit like he's slurring. Yeah. Um, which is not exactly the vibe that he had in the 80s movies, but uh, he is quite a bit older now, so that makes sense. Yeah, I think given his age... He does a great job. And plus, he doesn't do, like, a whole ton of voice acting. He does some here and there. 
And, you know, voice acting and regular acting are very different skills. And I think yeah. he I think he does a pretty good job, all things considered. Well, it's, it's not just that, but Christopher Lloyd is also playing someone who is in universe a much older Doc Brown. Yeah. Uh, than we ever saw, because a lot of time for Doc Brown has happened, even though mm-hmm. it's only been six months for Marty. Um, I think at one point he mentions that he is getting close to 100 years old. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So I guess having an older Christopher Lloyd really uh, works. Yeah, it works. You know what? You know what the thing about Christopher Lloyd is? I don't think I've ever seen a single movie or picture of him where he's not old. I think he's just been old his entire life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, in Back to the Future Part 2. Uh, you've seen all th- all the movies, right? Yeah I, yeah, I only had time to re-watch the first one, but I have seen all three. So in Back to the Future Part 2, Christopher Lloyd is in his old man sort of makeup that they, they do for him to make him look older um, at the beginning of the movie. But then he takes off the mask and he reveals that in the future he's had the opportunity to get some, like advanced plastic surgery done to make himself look younger Mm -hmm. and he takes off the mask and i think it's supposed to be this like cool reveal of like hey look he he looks like the 50s doc brown again because he just looks like the regular actor but i you you look at him and you're like he still looks old as shit (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's the actor i know the actor was only in his 40s but he still looks so old. He he's just always looked like an old man. <laughs> yeah. That that's also another thing about this episode. I feel like well, not just this episode, but also Back to the Future part 1 when you go into the 50s and meet a younger Doc Brown compared cuz that's only like 20 or so years after when this episode takes place and we meet, well, I, I, I won't get into it. I'll save it, but let, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. Okay. Um, so you, you go to, um, you go to the sale where, that your dad's officiating at, uh, Doc Brown's lab and you find a journal of his hidden uh, a journal of doc brown's hidden in in one of the town hall models uh that basically explains some stuff about how the the delorean time machine has an auto recall function that sends it back to the right time uh if doc is not in it for like a really really long time Mm mm-hmm now, the thing is, the DeLorean was destroyed in part three. Yeah, he uh, had the train. So th- they they answer this later in the episode. Like, how could this possibly be that there is another DeLorean? And it it is it is maybe my least favorite part of this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how hand wavy they are about. Yeah, no, it's just the DeLorean's back and it still it's flies fine. and stuff. It's fine. We can't just not have the iconic DeLorean. Yeah. Um, the the answer <laughs> is that when the DeLorean was struck by lightning, it created a second version of the DeLorean in an alternate universe <laughs> that was then 
sucked into our universe and then that DeLorean, because it, it was just sucked into a place in our universe that Doc wasn't, it did the auto-recall on it. And that is this DeLorean. Obviously. Obviously that's what happened. Why didn't you think about the fact that when things get <laughs> when things get <laughs> struck by lightning, they get cloned? Yeah, duh, doy. That's like common knowledge. Hello, McFly. Um I, I think maybe they're hinting at the fact that it's because of the interaction between the lightning and the flux capacitor, but they never actually say that. So they, it, they're kind of, it feels like they're sort of making the argument that sometimes when things get struck by lightning, they can just get cloned across space time. Yeah. That's, that's just what the lightning way it does. <laughs> yeah. That's what lightning does. That's what lightning does. That's according to this thing, they've decided to try to convince me is true. Hey, I don't make the rules. <laughs> hey i don't make up things <laughs> um one so, thing one thing worth bringing up i think is uh when you're at docks and uh they're selling his stuff you meet biff tannen and since we played different versions of the game biff yeah. had different voices that's true so you played this is this is interesting to note you played a remaster of the game and i played the original um in 2015 there was a remaster for next generation consoles like the xbox one and the playstation 4 because it was originally in the xbox 360 ps3 era um Mm -hmm. that it looks a little bit better in in some ways it's not as extreme of a remaster as sam and max or the walking dead got but it it is a little bit better looking yeah Um, i was actually kind of surprised at how much like the walking dead's first season this looks uh, yeah. Not and, not like identical, but I definitely got closer vibes to that than I did, say, Sam and Max. Well, that's interesting. We'll talk about that because I think that might be a difference between our versions. Um, but in mine, Andrew Chaikin, credited as Kid Beyond, played Biff. Why was, why was he credited as Kid Beyond? Because uh, he is Kid Beyond. That's like a, he's a musical act most of the time that is the oh, thing I... he is mostly but he's done like a billion bazillion telltale games voices before this yeah and and he's never been credited by that before so that's weird <laughs> it, it all it kind of reads a little bit like we um, know this is not biff so <laughs> we'll just use an alias rather than his real name well not just that it kind of it kind of reads like oh this is the Back to the Future one. I'm going to put on my fancy name for this one. Oh, okay. You know what's interesting <laughs> about that? Talking about this guy, Andrew Chaikin. Is it Andrew Chaikin or Chaikin? I never know. I mean, it's it's C-H-A-I-K-E-N. So it could, it could be either one. Andrew Chicken. Probably but, not um, that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Skunk Ape Games actually recently tweeted out, like, just the other day I saw a tweet from them... Since he was the original voice of Max in mm-hmm. episode one, the only reason they recasted Max was because he had a medical issue after and could not continue being Max afterwards. Yeah. So it wasn't a case of him not fitting as Max. It was just them needing to recast. I feel I feel bad for Kid Beyond, a.k.a. Andrew Chagan, because he, he got this role as Max, and if he kept doing it the full series... He would have got, I mean, he he is a famous person already. 
but he would have got a lot of recognition for that. Mm-hmm. And then he got this role as Biff Tannen, which is a pretty cool role. And then and, he's and just then replaced. he was also <laughs> recast uh, in order to get the original uh, Tannen actor from the movie. Yeah, this isn't even the first time Telltale's done something like this. Um, in Tales of Monkey Island, uh, LeChuck had a different voice. But then when episode four and five were coming out, they were able to get his actual voice actor back. Um, so when they did the complete series set, they redubbed episode one to have that voice actor. So Telltale's done I, this a couple times. I wish they would not do the redub for consistency thing. Um, with this one, I kind of get it because like the movies are so near and dear to people's heart. But mm-hmm. even with this, I kind of feel like, hey, let let Kid Beyond have this one. Let him be Biff. <laughs> Just let him be Biff. Come on, look at his face. Let him be Biff. I will say on on a purely meritocracy based level. Um, he is not a very convincing Biff in my version of the game. I feel that. Um, yeah, and, and I he's have really Tom not a convincing Kid Tannen. <laughs> uh, like his Kid Tannen sort of loses the Tannen vibe entirely. Yeah, so I'm a little curious about that. I don't know if he voiced Kid Tannen in the remaster either. I think that was a different name there. And I don't think it was. Uh, I would. I would need to look. Maybe it is. Maybe him using the different name really threw me off. Is this something we should look up right now? I don't think we have to, but we can. Okay, I'm gonna uh, cast of Back to the Future, the game. Um, my favorite Tom Wilson role, even th- even though he is Biff, he does a lot of voices in SpongeBob over the years. I think he still does. Uh, he plays Patrick's dad in the episode with Patrick's parents. The one who says, that's right, honey, we don't have a son. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's a good one. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. No. Owen Thomas yeah, is Kid Tannen. Is, is, that a, is that a person from the movies? Owen Thomas? I'm not sure. I, I kind of don't think so. Why would that not be the same actor they have for Biff Tannen? Yeah, why not just have him? Like, isn't the point supposed to be that they're the same actor? All the, and all the, the Tannens same? are always the same. All the McFlys are always the same. It, it um, doesn't bother me that much just because, I, I don't know. It, it's a little bit of a stretch to say every single Tannen sounds sounds the same, etc., etc. But that is what the movies were going for, so. Well, yeah, it, that was the that was the point. That was like yeah. the joke of the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, uh, Owen Owen Thomas was not in the movies. He he plays Kid Tannen in Back to the Future and Master Mantis in WarioWare Get It Together. <laughs> wow, that's weird. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, additional voices in The Last of Us Part Two. I mean that is a much bigger game so um yeah the the uh oh uh do you know the characters Omid or Troy from Walking Dead yeah I do it's him too oh nice nice yeah we'll get to Omid don't 
Don't worry. I don't really remember the other one, but it's been a bit. Uh, yeah, so so that is the same between our, our versions. Owen Thomas plays uh, Kid Tannen in both. And we'll get to who Kid Tannen is in just a second. So the DeLorean shows up. Um, it, it just, like, poofs into existence. Marty gets in it, opens up the, the door, and sees that Einstein, the dog, is in it, but nothing else. And also a woman's <laughs> shoe. Uh, and... And you know, you know, Marty's gonna get down with that. He he's a little creep. So I'll he, save that shoe for later. So he tells the dog to smell the shoe, uh, and just figure out where it goes. And he's led to old woman Edna Strickland, who is the the like the dean of the school. Uh, her his older sister, it seems. Mm-hmm. And um, she's Marty's new love interest. Yeah, because of shoes. So yeah. he he goes to her uh, apartment, and you can tell that she's sort of senile. It's played a little bit from for humor, but also just sort of this is how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, she she's hoarding newspapers, and she thinks that she's making tea, even though she never turns the heat on. Uh, so she's she's not all there, but. Using her hoarded newspapers, you can find out when this uh, when she lost her shoe, which happened to be when a speakeasy in town burned down in 1931. And then if you look at the newspaper for that, you find out that Doc Brown was going by the alias uh, Carl Sagan at Uh that time and was killed. Um, so Marty's like, okay, well, here we go. Here we go again. Part four. We're going to go and save Doc <laughs> again because he keeps getting killed. <laughs> I, I just can't save this asshole. Uh, he God will, it, he will do some shit. So I need to go to 1931, same town, Hill Valley, California, which does not exist, by the way. I, I looked into if there's a Hill Valley anywhere near me and it would be near me. Uh, uh in, in fact hill valley is pretty much ventura california mm. uh, which is where i live but it, it does not actually exist I, I i don't know enough to to question you on that but i just like how you're like well yeah you know if it were real it would be by me hmm. well <laughs> it, it, it's based specifically on simi valley yeah which is in ventura county um hill, hill valley ha- is the, the 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 50s housing districts are sort of what they're pulling from simi valley it was a whole th- it was a whole thing there was a whole this california history this it's whole not crazy a, not thing. important too much of a tangent <laughs> um but you go back to 1931 and it's prohibition times which is kind of a cool time period um, I think it, I think it's more flavorful than the fifties than, uh, than the movie's depiction of the fifties. Cause we're, we're going with, uh, there's some speakeasy and there's like some, some mobby gangsters from when mobby gangsters were all like pizza based rather than <laughs> like drug based at this time. <laughs> and, oh man. Pizza sounds great right about now. That was also what I was thinking when I heard myself say pizza. <laughs> it's like, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. I know what's happening later. Yeah. Wow. 
I wish I had pizza. Uh, <laughs> Doc, you're telling me you made a pizza out of a DeLorean? <laughs> Doc. <laughs> my my Marty impression is just making him sound like the wimpiest, shittiest asshole. Yeah, it's a little bit how some people do Bill Clinton by pretending they're like punched in the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I think I think. I think the guy who does uh, Marty in this series is pretty good. It's obviously not Michael oh, yeah. J. Fox, but he does a great job. His of, name is uh, A.J. Uh, Locascio. Oh, nice. Look, uh, Locascio. I'm glad I, you wrote that down. I didn't think to. I'm looking at a cast list of the entire game <laughs> on the internet right now. Uh, yeah, he sounds more like Marty than Christopher Lloyd sounds like Doc Brown. Uh, yeah. He's, it's, he's really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, between A.J. Locascio, Christopher Lloyd, and uh, Thomas Wilson as Biff Tannen, they, they really nailed the, the voice feel for this series. Yeah. Um, yeah, not having actual Biff Tannen in my version of the game, did, it, was, it was noticeable. It wasn't quite correct. Have you have you watched a video and heard how he sounds in the remaster before no. this? No, I haven't. Well, not. he's well, he's Tom Wilson, so he he just <laughs> sounds exactly like himself. Um, I mean, he does a good job. Yeah, he sounds like Biff. It it's just nice. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you you go back to the past and you find young Emmett Brown. Uh, he's like 18, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or, or 20, maybe he's like 20. No, I think they specifically... He, he's uh, 17, they say. Well, didn't they say he graduated high school already? Yeah, but he's a genius. Of course he Oh, is. well, okay, fair <laughs> enough, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought they, they still put him a little bit above high school age, but uh, you're, you're right. So he's got a job as a law clerk in the county hall and not... As a scientist. And if you try to bring up science, he's going to be like, I, I don't know. I only study law. I don't uh, like science. I don't like science, he'll say. And <laughs> uh, you need to talk to real uh, old Doc Brown, who is in the county jail, framed, it seems, for burning down the speakeasy, who will tell you, oh, yeah, I forgot I was that way. But uh, it was my dad who said science is bad and I got to study the law because the law is is the thing that is good versus science. According <laughs> the to law his... is the future. Even even for someone that like I think would dedicate their life to studying law or something. Um, if you find out your kids really into science, that doesn't seem like the kind of thing you talk them out of. Yeah, that's gonna bring that's gonna bring some money in. It's not like acting or art. It's <laughs> I, in in terms of things that are commonly discouraged for kids to get into. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean that's still very impressive. He has his own lab that he keeps secret. It yeah, and he's good at keeping it a secret. He's, <laughs> he's really stealthy about it. Uh, but but he, this this is what I was talking about earlier with uh, young Doc Brown because so this is 1931. Mm-hmm. Um, the first movie, what's the exact year it takes place again? I know it's in the 50s. 
so the the is it 55 the the movies are 1985 1955 yeah uh 2015 and 1885 so 1931 so it would be 24 years between this doc brown and 1955 doc brown that seems like a like would he age that much <laughs> like obviously this is well, this is not something they could work with but it's just funny to be like okay well he's 17 here and then in the 50s he looks like he's 80 well so when when christopher lloyd made the first back to the future movie he was 41 yeah he looked 100 but he was <laughs> yeah. he was 41 years old and so the the time period for Doc in, in 1955, before he did any time traveling, that Doc should be 41. I guess that makes sense. So 24 years before that, he's like 17. Exactly 17. Yeah, it's just, if you look at this kid version of Doc, you wouldn't think he would look like he's on the Grim Reaper's door in 55. Yeah, there's a little bit of the Ewan McGregor, Alec Guinness, yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi age difference where like the prequels and the original trilogy only have like a 20 year gap between them and there's no way like there's way bigger gap yeah ewan mcgregor cannot turn into alec guinness in 20 years it's not enough years yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and and like obviously that's not something they could have accounted for the movie's already been made it's it's just a funny little thing to think about yeah um so you you talk to Doc in the jail, and Doc says that I'd love to be let out of jail, and you should let me out of jail because I don't want to die, and you just told me that I'm going to die if I stay here. So <laughs> what the only way I can think of <laughs> to get out of this jail is you need to get a rocket-powered drill. <laughs> because I am, at this time period, in 1931, about to invent a rocket-powered pla- uh, drill for no reason i'm just gonna do that yeah just for funsies drills can be powered by anything this one (laughs) is by rockets though that should be enough to get me out of jail so and it's also fueled with (laughs) alcohol yeah it's fueled by alcohol which makes sense because it's illegal uh (laughs) at this time period and that's just some adventure game shit yeah we just gotta (laughs) throw a puzzle at you somehow yeah, that's some, like, Monkey Island, how is the grog gonna stay in my pocket when it's eating through the cups bullshit. That, <laughs> it can't be gasoline, it can't be electricity, it's gotta be alcohol, the one thing you can't buy in the 30s. <laughs> um. Um, and this drill looks like it's from the far-off year of, like, 2537 or something. Like, this drill looks, like, very futuristic and high. This is not something you would build in the 30s. Well, I mean, I guess that is sort of Doc Brown's whole thing, though. He made a time machine in the 80s. Yeah, but I, I don't know. It, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it creates a disconnect in a way the DeLorean didn't for me. It was like, I, I guess just because this is the 30s, you would not have Jetson's tools. I mean, he, he makes a flux capacitor in the 50s, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to give him the pass. That Like, that is the conceit <laughs> of this series. <laughs> You're you're more forgiving of of Doc Brown than I. <laughs> uh, so 
if, if you can talk to young Emmett Brown enough to get his uh, rocket-powered drill, you can get Doc Brown out of the jail. And the way you do this is by convincing young Emmett that you're from the patent office, uh, and you're going to give him the patent for the rocket drill. But in order to do that, you need to free up Doc's time. So you the first thing you need to do is serve... Um, is it Arthur McFly or Frank yeah. McFly? Arthur McFly. Arthur McFly. You need to serve uh, Arthur McFly, who is your grandpa, George McFly's dad, um, a subpoena, which is a dick thing to do. Uh, <laughs> but like as a law clerk, that's that's what Emmett Brown was going to be doing at the time. Uh, so you need to do that so he can free up his day a little bit to fix up this rocket drill so he can show it off. Um, and also you need to get the alcohol that powers the drill because there's no way Emmett can get it because he's a law abiding la 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 la. You know, what's uh, weird to me about this. So you tell, you tell, you tell doc that you'll do this for him. Give it to Arthur McFly. He goes with you. You're not saving him time. He's yeah. still doing it. He's still, he's still doing exactly what he would have done. Yeah. And when you get the alcohol, he also just goes with you. Yeah, he's with you the entire... You're not saving him any time. I like to think of it as, as more... You're not saving him time as much as... You're helping him do it and get it done faster he, than he He was not himself. going to be able to do it. Okay. Yeah, I guess. I guess I can buy that. Um. So, the, the subpoena thing, I guess that that's just what it is. <laughs> but the the alcohol thing is a, a bit more interesting. There's this soup kitchen where they're they're uh, handing out soup to the needy, and it was recently bought up by Kid Tannen, who is Biff Tannen's grandpa, or father, or uncle, <laughs> uh, or um, something. Well, Arthur McFly is Marty's grandpa, so I just assumed Kid Tannen was. Well, no, because Biff is older than Marty. Yeah, because so. Biff's a teenager in the 50s, so that feels like an adult in the 30s. Yeah. Well, no, because if, if Kid Tannen has a has a child in this time period, which I could I could believe is true, maybe, um, that child would then age 24 years and could be a dad themselves to Biff Tannen. I guess uh, that's true. We never really we we don't know what age Kid Tannen is. He could be Grandpa. Yeah, I. It seems. It seems like a. It just seems wrong. <laughs> I can't figure <laughs> the math out on that. It just doesn't seem correct. Um, but you're right. It could be some time period of of, of some sort. <laughs> yeah. the The thing is, it's not important at all. It, it's, it's not important. <laughs> it's just in in the same way that. Buford Tannen was just one of the Tannens yeah. uh, in part three. Kid Tannen is a predecessor to Biff Tannen. And he's uh-huh. a he's a uh, 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 an alcohol baron. He runs a speakeasy, which got burned to the, the ground. And we don't exactly know why it got burned to the ground yet. I assume that'll be revealed in a future episode of the game. Mm-hmm. Um. But now he's serving alcohol out of the soup kitchen, uh, using the soup kitchen as a, as a front for the alcohol. 
Um, Alcohol, so, soup, it's pretty easy to get them confused. Yeah, so there's there's a terrible, terrible puzzle where you need to uh, give... <laughs> it, I hate this puzzle. I'm glad it wasn't just me. It sucked. It was really finicky, too. I didn't get the right... like. You need to do something after you get a cutscene, and I couldn't figure out how to get the, the cutscene for a long time. I think that sums up a lot in this episode. There, there's a lot of puzzles. There's a lot of things you have to trigger by just doing exactly what they want you to do at that time. Yeah, this this uh, this one was another one that was written and directed by the team Hartzell and Stemmel. And I gotta say, um, we, we've played a few Hartzell and Stemmel uh, episodes, both in Strong Bad and Season 3 of Sam and Max. Not my favorite. What other what episodes did they do in those? Oh, I'd I'd have to look up my <laughs> Don't worry notes. about it then. For, I, I, yeah, forget I asked. But I, I remember like uh tagging them mentally like, oh that that one's not I don't know. Uh they, they don't bring your favorites. It I mean they're not bad. They're not bad, but I remember like Chuck Jordan was was really bringing some heat, right? Mm-hmm. Um like like the ones the ones that I remember sticking with me were really sticking with me, uh, and maybe maybe this episode was rushed so they could bring it out for Christmas, uh, because it came out. I on could the see that because it's December, very short. Before. It's very short, and it it did seem very finicky with some of the design stuff, mm-hmm. and it came out so much earlier than the entire rest of like the gap between episode one and episode two is like three months. When it's one month between all of the ones after that, yeah, that that mm, that's interesting. Yeah, um, but the the puzzle is basically um, you can get young Edna Strickland, the old lady who is going to become a senile newspaper hoarder in the eighties. You can get her to. Um, Pick up a barrel of soup. Soup is stored in barrels, by the way. Yeah. Um, you can pick up a barrel of soup for um, for a, a charity. Yeah, she's delivering soups to charities. And you you can finagle some stuff in order to make the, the soup that she picks up be alcohol instead of soup. because it all looks the same they're just kept in barrels yeah they they keep the soup and the alcohol in in different barrels but they look exactly the same so you can kind of you can trick her into taking alcohol rather than soup but it's this whole puzzle it's this whole thing yeah so once you serve your grandpa a subpoena and get a bunch of alcohol you are fast forwarded to the end of the night where the uh, alcohol needs to be distilled into usable fuel, which is this strange mini game that takes place <laughs> in Doc Brown's teenage lab, which is in like the basement of his parents' manor, where he's having this loud argument with his dad, finally coming to terms with the fact that he needs to study science and not law. Um, and he's going to be emphasizing specific words. Yeah, he's that doing it Marty in a way to that. To. Yeah, he's doing it in a specific way to let you know what to do in his lab. Yeah, like he'll he'll say something like, 
I really just need to light a fire under me. And then uh, <laughs> then you you need to... He'll, he'll emphasize the word fire, so you need to stoke a fire at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's stoking a fire, there's feeding bacteria, uh, there's cranking an electrical generator, and releasing a release valve. Mm-hmm. And all of all of those things, you need to do them at the, the, the right order when he says it. And then... Of course, because because video game stuff, um, his dad starts emphasizing words also, and he doesn't know what he's talking about. So he, you you can't <laughs> you can't listen to all the words that are coming in, just the the ones Doc says. I I actually liked this mini game, and I think they I think that they do a really clever job of increasing the difficulty with it in a way that ties into the narrative of what's going on at that time. Uh, yeah, it, it's fun, and and the idea that like they're they're sort of gamifying this parental argument is mm. is interesting. Uh, yeah, that feels like the kind of telltale, like oh they're they're doing something with this sort of could have been dark um, narrative mechanic that they will become known for in the coming years with Walking Dead, even though right. this is a very. Um, not extreme version of what they do in walking dead yeah <laughs> this is a much lighter game uh so you make the fuel you get the rocket powered drill you do use the rocket powered drill to <laughs> drill into the the uh prison but doc isn't there he's been uh he, he's going to be driven away by some other police van you catch up with the police van you find out that kid tannin's driving it yeah, Kid Tannen took Doc Brown away. Oh, and the newspaper changes. It changes to say that he wasn't shot on the corp the court steps. He was he was killed in that when he's taken away. Yeah. So so he's going to be killed like very soon unless you can do something. So what you do is you use your rocket from the rocket power drill to turn Edna Strickland's bike into a motorcycle, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, do some, like, crawling around the truck and doing various things to unlock the door, and eventually you get Doc out of there. Um, and also, at the end of that, Kid Tannen drives into a manure pile, so oh. all is right with the world. Such hilarity. Uh, what did you think of that last, like, boss battle sequence with the truck? I'm of two minds of about it because like I think it I think it was good. Like when I was doing it I was like, "Oh, I got to I got to do this thing. I got to get Doc out." But like the puzzles for it weren't necessarily that difficult. Like everything you can just figure out right away. And it it just seems more low-key than a lot of other final big final acts of Telltale games. Yeah, it, it's I I don't know. There there's something just very small about it that yeah if it was a live action action movie this would probably be a very exciting sequence yeah um but you know telltale's done way wilder stuff in sam and max um and it's wilder stuff that yes is is cartoony in a way that back to the future isn't but it's still i don't know they could have done some stuff yeah yeah it, um, I, it doesn't help terrible. that like 
you only have the three characters there. It doesn't help that you're on a dark road, so you don't really get any good uh, scenery visuals. So it, it just feels like not a whole lot is happening. Um, so you, you, you get Doc out of the van, and you save him, and you check the newspaper, and you find out that he's not going to die. So you did it. Uh, and that's that's basically episode one, but then there's a little stinger at the end where two things happen. One is that Doc Brown can't find Einstein. Uh, so where's Einstein? Who knows? And the other is Marty starts going transparent. Like he's about to be written out of his own story. Once again. Once again, yeah. Um, he he never went full transparent in the movies. He He got a little bit when it looked like his parents weren't going to get together at the prom. But uh, but but not all the way there. This seems further than he's ever gone. And plus, it's earlier on. Like, this is only chapter yeah. one. And we don't know the cause. Yeah. It could be something to do with the fact that we just served his grandpa a subpoena. That seemed <laughs> like playing with fire. <laughs> yeah, that seems like maybe you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I want my grandpa to live the most before he causes me to be born. <laughs> After that point, he can do whatever. But yeah, yeah. Be- before that, it's very important that I'm born. Something uh, that I thought was cool about this is just thinking about the possibilities of things they can do with this game that they couldn't do in a live action movie. Yeah. Like, I guess you could have hired someone to be like a young Doc Brown, but you couldn't have got them to look like a perfect young Doc Brown. They they probably could have gotten someone good, but I just think the fact that they're able to, they, they don't even have to think about it. They can just be like, oh, we can just model up a young Doc Brown and have him look like him. Yeah, I will say it doesn't really look like I thought young Doc Brown would look. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't look at him and think that's not, how Doc, young Doc Brown would look. I guess I just never really yeah. thought about it before. I mean, I don't look like how I looked 10 years ago, so fair, 24 years <laughs> before I know what a person looks like, it's it's fair that they would look different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's this episode. The next episode is episode two, Get Tannen, where we'll see the resolution of that transparent stuff, I suppose. Um they they showed a uh, like a tr- a bit of a trailer a preview for Get Tannen, and we're still in 1931. Yeah, that's interesting to me. I was just thinking about that. How like this story doesn't even revolve uh, resolve in this episode. Like, yeah. there's a whole other part to it after this. It, it's interesting too because I'd think Back to the Future episodic series. Well, surely every episode is a new time period. Yeah, and, and I, I'm that. sure other episodes are, but it's weird that you spend two episodes in the same time period. It, I would think either every episode is a new time period or they do a Day of the Tentacle thing where every episode is a few time periods that affect each oh, other. Oh, okay. Um, that, would, that would have been my guess. And it lo- looks like neither of that is just one long story. Yeah, I mean, I I guess that's interesting. It's funny when you were talking earlier about how uh, when Telltale got the Back to the Future license, I guess that is just like a natural pick for an adventure game because, like, you have so many about time travel already. Yeah, Day of the Tentacle, I think, uh, while not being as 
popular or influential to players maybe as monkey island or salmon max um from developers it seems like the one that really influenced how point and clicks were made for a very long time after that point yeah um especially i think if you look at telltale's early stuff like that second bone game felt a lot like day of the tentacle to me in in how you pick between the three bone characters to play as Mm -hmm. yeah i kind of miss bone i wish we got a little more bone uh, I mean, if we're playing CSI, like, yeah, give me more anything. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever spaces it out enough that you, you you can put that off as long as you need to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if I'm playing 20 CSI episodes and only two bone episodes, of course you can give me more bone. Yeah. Uh, I think, I still think that like out of everything that we played that wasn't CSI, bone is, bone may be my least favorite. It was the least successful. But um, that might mm-hmm. just be speaking to the success of the other things and not a fault on Bone. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about before we get into our segments? Um, 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 let me look at my notes. You know what the thing is? We were talking before the show about how I barely had any notes for this episode, and I think I know why. Why? Because most whenever I have notes for this show... Most of it, like three fourths of my notes, are the lines, are the linguistic mm. gymnastics. Yeah, and we were we were also talking about that. I don't think this episode had any. Like, it wasn't bad. The writing wasn't bad, but nothing. There were no lines where I was like, "That's a keeper. I better write that one down." I don't think the writing is bad in this episode, but there just weren't any lines that stood out to me that much. Like with Sam yeah. and Max and Strong Bad, I had tons of lines that I picked from. And here it's just kind of like movie dialogue, I guess. Like it's dialogue to get the story moving, which is great for its purpose, but not great for a segment. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote down some stuff uh, that, well, I wrote down one thing, I guess. I only have one line I, I copied verbatim. Um, I'll, I'll just use this time to say it. Uh it was not a good line. It was it was not like a funny thing. I was just something I, I thought about. It was when Marty walks into one of the, the... The Hill Valley Town Square has like three or four stores that you can just walk Marty into, but nothing happens in them. Yeah. And you don't even see the inside. You just hear a conversation. Mm-hmm. One of which is like an inn that... Marty says uh, he doesn't want to go to because he says, I'm not so sure I want to stay in a place that welcomes transients. I wrote that down because like, hey, Marty, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Hey, buddy, that's like really gross and classist all of a sudden. You've been cool for three movies. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it was the 80s. It was 2011 when the game came out. (laughs) (laughs) Or 2010. Um, That's true. Yeah, I mean, it, like, <laughs> it, it's either the 30s or 2010. Both are not the 80s. <laughs> that seems like a weird <laughs> thing to say. Um, can I just say I don't like that you can go in these buildings and have nothing happen there? It, it's kind of the same problem I had with CSI where it would let you, like, look at an item and then be like, oh, it's things are thorough here. 
good job. It's just a waste of time. And the dialogue you get from it isn't particularly funny. So it's just like, all right, well, I'm looking for where I need to go. I guess since I'm since it gives me the option to click on this building, I'll check in here. But then you just go in and it's like, oh, nope, I guess not. It, it just it felt like it was wasting my time. I, I'll, I'll come on the defensive a little bit. Okay. Um, b- because anytime you say something, I got to say wrong. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I, I, I feel what you're feeling, but also there's only, let's see, there's, there's the, the prison where Doc Brown is. Mm-hmm. There is the soup kitchen. And there's a little booth in front of the barber shop with Kid Tannen where he gets his shoes shined. Mm-hmm. And that those are the only real places of interest in the whole town square that you can go to. Um, right. And if, if, you, if you redesigned the town square so only those three things were there, uh, it, it would A, not look like the town square from the movies, uh, which would be problematic in terms of looking like your license which telltale seems to prize highly uh, and, and b it would be it wouldn't look like a town at all it would just look like the the three things so i i having those other buildings be there is important to to like finish no. the look but then also if they were there and you couldn't do anything with them i would keep thinking oh did i did i just click on this door wrong uh, to me, it was it was a it was a funneling effect where you would go to the wrong store and Marty would have mm. a, a conversation with the cashier and finding out like, oh, there's nothing here uh, felt like me learning more about what to do in this town. I guess so. I guess I get where you're coming from. Let me let me clarify, though, that the former thing you said is not what I have. Like, obviously, getting rid of all these areas would not be the way to do it. But the latter is def- like just don't let me go in that building if I have no, no reason to go in there. Um, but that's just me personally. I feel like I feel like if you're already spending the time finding where you need to go, you shouldn't also be need to look around and like click on buildings, go inside, and then be like, oh, I guess this isn't where I go. <laughs> you can you can you can just have it not let you select it and then say, oh, that's not where I go. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and like, it would be one thing if, like, every place you went in had, like, really funny dialogue and made it, like, interesting for you to go into each one, but not really. That's, it's just like, hey, uh, is this where I'm supposed to be? No, get out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, isn't building up that world the point of adventure games i i don't know i guess Uh, i guess but it it didn't necessarily make me more interested in this world well it it also gives that the vibe and maybe this will make you feel about it better later it just feels Mm. like when you can't go to sybils so maybe next episode we can go into some of these um and because we we are still going to go to 1931 I guess that's true. Give them like more of a purpose later on. Yeah, like maybe later you can go in that bank. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Can't wait for the bank episode. <laughs> the <laughs> the bank side story. 
uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a bank of, it looks like Bank of Italy, but the word Italy's scratched off of the sign. Yeah, that has to play into something. Like, there has to be a reason for that. I yeah, totally forgot why, about that because nothing Italy happens. scratched off? Yeah. Um, let's, okay, let's go into our segments. Let's go into these segments. Dustin, what is your golden moment? My golden moment of this episode is the mini game where you have to make the fuel. Oh, you like that? Okay, cool. Yeah, I like that. I th- I thought it was fun, and I like I said earlier, I thought they did a good job of working it into the narrative of what was happening at that point. How he had to he had to use the argument to emphasize words to tell Marty what to do. I, yeah. I thought it, I thought it was clever, a fun way to mix it up because honestly, before that, I was a little, I don't want to say I was bored out of my mind, but I was, like I said, I was a little underwhelmed by this episode. So I was a little bored just walking around this one area. So to mix it up with not only a new area, but a new thing you have to do. I, I, I thought that was fun. I, I enjoyed that. Um, I, I didn't hate it, but it, it, it felt, I don't know, to me, the mini game felt a little chintzy. Um, (laughs) i can see that to use a word i don't understand it felt a little chintzy Uh, (laughs) i i don't know well since you used a word i don't understand i'll assume you're right yeah um my golden moment is when you show miss strickland the shoe uh you hold up the shoe and then she who's like talking to you from her her window on the second story of a building she's like wait hold on a second and then she gets her other shoe and then she shows you a shoe (laughs) and (laughs) just the idea that you show her a shoe and then she like gets excited to also show you a shoe that was a good moment for me yeah that's my favorite moment of the whole episode yeah that doesn't necessarily mean that's her same shoe even yeah she's like oh i can do that (laughs) (laughs) oh look i have a shoe too uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas, boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not, not part of the segments, but I, I have something I, I forgot to ask you about. At the beginning oh, okay. of the game, before you even boot it up, like on the on the mm-hmm. start menu, uh, in that Lone Pines Mall, there's a a scene of the J.C. Pennies that is right behind them in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the game, on the loading screen... The sign is changed, so it reads J.P. Pennies. Um, <laughs> is that the way it was in the movies? Or is, is Telltale just doing that because they're afraid of big man J.C. Pennies? <laughs> big man J.C. Pennies. Are they even still around? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I See, I have lost track of what big mall store chains have gone down. Yeah, I mean, the last Mervin's time I've been to a mall on purpose is... Um, Actually, recent, but before that one weird time, it was like years. Yeah, I went to a mall recently too, and I don't remember why. I think it was for my roommate for something. But anyway, point is, um, I don't know. I would have to double. I have a feeling in the movie it's just J.C. Penney's. Yeah, because like I feel like they would just use a J.C. Penney's to film it, and they wouldn't need to change the logo. Um, but if you're doing a game, it's a whole other thing with like rights and stuff. And it's like, well, let's maybe model a different name for it. Did you notice that or, or I didn't at all notice okay. that. I, I briefly booted up part two, episode two, in order to find out if the same logo is there. 
on every episode in the start menu? Mm-hmm. It is. So <laughs> keep an eye out for <laughs> JP Pinney's. Um, well, it's just such a weird thing. They, you could just not have that logo on the building. Right. It's, you could, it's kept you could just, calling no attention one would notice. to it. Yeah, no one would notice if you just didn't have the logo. It's the no first one watches thing you that see scene. in the game. Yeah, no one it, watching the movie thinks, ah, there's the JP, J, J.C. Penney's logo. That really um, brings the scene together. The The DeLorean logo is still on the DeLorean. So, mm-hmm. like... I guess that's more important, so they couldn't just... Yeah. They couldn't, like, say, Doc, you built a, dis- a time machine out of a DeSnorian? <laughs> out of a, a, a smart core? <laughs> um, I guess it shows though that they are doing some logos, but just not all of them. Yeah, maybe just the ones that are like necessary and important. Uh, well, it's it's weird because they they did this, and then as soon as you wake up from that dream sequence at the beginning, uh, you see Marty McFly's room, and he has a poster for Weird Science uh, <laughs> in his room, which. I guess came out in those six months between the Back to the Future trilogy and this game. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Weird Science? I haven't. Oh, it's I. Weird Science I is a sometime. bad movie, but it's it's great. <laughs> it, it's it's very much like Back to the Future in the way it feels. I wonder if it's the same creators. I would not be surprised. Oh, inter. I I never thought about that. Um. Hmm. Yeah, they make a girl out of science. Because they... <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. My my the most exposure I have to weird science is uh in an episode of Home Movies, they basically just make a movie that's that that's weird science. Um <laughs> they, they they make they make a girl because they want to have sex with a girl and they can't do it with ones that exist already. <laughs> um, and then they don't have sex with a girl. <laughs> and, and Robot or otherwise. Yeah. And it's not because like they gained respect for her because they didn't. It's <laughs> it's just because they they were kind of chicken shit about it. And <laughs> it's it made, what a bad movie, but also kind of good. Um, a product of its time. Yeah, definitely a product of its time. My mom's a really big fan of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, potent pickup, Dustin. What's your potent pickup? I do have a potent pickup in this episode. It's the tape recorder. Mine is it's also like, the tape recorder. It's like the only item you have that plays into more than one puzzle. Yeah. Boy, uh, that that just really makes me realize like I didn't really like the puzzles in this episode overall. No. Like not just not just that one you brought up. I think overall it's just not very good puzzles. I would say this is mechanically weak as yeah. a game. Probably the weakest of the non CSI games that we've played since bone. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's so weird to say this. I'm sure this game gets better because people usually have nothing but nice things to say about, uh, the telltale back to the future. So maybe it is just a slow start. Yeah, I hope so. Um, that tape recorder also feels cool because it's one of the few things that you bring from the future into the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even though a tape recorder is, in terms of when this game came out, still pretty past technology, it's even more past where you go. So it, it feels like you're doing f- 
cool future stuff with the <laughs> tape recorder. Yeah. Um, you said yours is the tape recorder as well? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's just no other... Like, what else do you even have? The phone number for the, uh, doc- for the Brown residence? I liked that you have a Polaroid of your dad. That you I like that used. because the illustration for it is really good. Yeah, it's cool. You just never use it. And it's like, why give me this? <laughs> I It'll probably tie into the next episode. But even then, Maybe. it's like, it's like, why have it? Yeah, why have it this time? Even if it's just for next episode. Um, I also thought maybe I, about the I, shoe because I thought the shoe was funny. Yeah. But it's the tape recorder. <laughs> it's um, the tape recorder. Dustin, who's your weekly guy? My weekly guy in this episode is young Emmett Brown. Mine I think is also makes, young Emmett Brown. He makes a very strong first impression. The acting on him is great. The design is fun. He's He's just a good, interesting character. Yeah, I like young Emmett Brown a lot, especially because um, this seeing what Doc Brown used to be like is a pretty big lore dump for yeah. the series. It, I, it's never been covered before, mm-hmm. except potentially maybe in the animated series, which I, I did not watch. And Bob Gale says it's not canon. Yeah, um, exactly. There's no reason to watch it for this. I remember yeah. watching it as a kid, but I don't remember like anything about it. But do you know what's the weirdest part about that to me? is in the animated series uh they have like live action segments before and after the episode and it has christopher lloyd as doc brown but he doesn't voice doc brown in the actual show in the cartoon parts yeah it's like jackie chan adventures right yeah it's exactly like that you already have christopher lloyd just have him do it and it's not like he's a bad voice actor like we said he does a good job in this so I wonder if maybe they could only afford them for the live action parts or something. Or or maybe it's just a voice actor law thing. Maybe it's a union thing. Because I know a lot of shows... Like, if you have a show that's animated in Canada, or made in Canada, um, you can only use Canadian voice actors. It's part of a union huh. thing. So... I wonder if it just had something to do with that. Like, they could use him for the live-action parts, but he couldn't do voices for the show. Well, fun fact about that show is that those live-action Doc Brown segments had Bill Nye play Doc Brown's lab assistant. And <laughs> those scenes are what convinced the uh, the networks to give Bill Nye his own show. Oh, that's inter. I had no idea. That is very interesting. Yeah. Bill Nye the Science Guy is a spinoff. Yeah, it's a spinoff of Back to the Future, the animated series. <laughs> wow, I that's crazy. Um, yeah, like I guess he was doing some fake bullshit science, but he was talking about it cool, and then they found out he actually knows real science. So they just let <laughs> him do him real science. science. <laughs> Why are you doing this fake science? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever anyone brings up Bill Nye the Science Guy... Um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is, uh, uh, was this in high school or after I had a friend, we would joke about Bill Nye, the science guy, um, you know, having relations with, with someone and the way he would seduce someone is like, he he would be in his underwear. He would be in like a thong or something with the rose petals leading up to the bed, romantic lighting, but it would just be playing that theme song (laughs) all the time. (laughs) 
He would go, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Bill, so he would be Bill, like, Bill, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he would be. <laughs> He'd <laughs> be like sitting on his heart-shaped bed while it's going, Bill, 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 Bill. Uh. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought that. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that here. Uh, thanks. Um, I never thought I would bring that up ever again. So yeah, Young Emmett Brown is the weekly guy. Do we have an, a weekly un-guy? I, I don't know. Cause I don't, you know what? I'm going to say Marty's dad just because the performance isn't very good. Um... Uh... I, I liked to see him though. I I think the writing I did like to and, and characterization him. was still on point. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah. But I I just don't have anything that bad to say about anyone else in the episode. I think Kid Tannen was was weaker than Kid Tannen could have been. I guess that's true. He doesn't really for like the big villain of this episode. He doesn't yeah. make that big an impression. I'm gonna change my answer to that too. All right. Yeah, I agree. Um. All right. Yeah. Also, I I found out. So Michael J. Fox did not play Marty McFly in this, but yeah. he did play Marty McFly four years later in Lego Dimensions. Interesting. That's you'd think he would be him in this. Yeah. If if, if anything, like this is the Back to the Future game. Why yeah. would you do Lego Dimensions? Well, the interesting thing is, even though he's not Marty, Michael J. Fox does show up in this game. Yeah, we haven't seen him yet, but uh, yeah. I don't know who he plays. I just know he does play a character. But um, I hope that's not like a, a end of episode five spoiler. Yeah. But I, I know that is the case as well. Well, also the thing about Lego Dimensions is a lot of characters use recycled lines from their source material. So like if a char- not not a lot of characters, a lot of characters have new recordings made for Lego Dimensions, but some characters they just use archival audio. Like Homer Simpson for some weird reason, they on- any Simpsons characters in that game, they only use lines that were in the show. And so I'm wondering if they did that with Marty too and that's why he's uh that's why he- Michael J Fox is credited. I'm not sure. Man, I wish that game kept on isn't that isn't that such a cool idea for a game it it's so crazy because like i said most characters do have tons of lines that are like crazy fan servicey referency like sonic the hedgehog is in that game if you bring sonic uh if you bring sonic to bart simpson sonic in his modern day roger craig smith voice will say hey bart if you see something you want just take it take it take it take it take it and he does the reference to sonic and the simpsons so they get crazy fan servicey with it and it's really cool but uh yeah toys to life just kind of yeah and i, I love how they ha- they uh well you don't need to tell me that um, <laughs> <laughs> if if i i oh 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 Anyway. Mitch, we know we know what a big <laughs> Disney Infinity fan you were. Um, well, you know what? I I was a big fan on the surface of Lego Dimensions. I will say maybe I'm part of the problem because I did not buy Lego Dimensions, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I like the idea of it a lot. Uh, yeah, I I watched a lot of YouTube footage of it. I also did not buy it, but I did buy Disney Infinity. I did buy Disney Infinity. I did kind of support toys to life and i feel like i only played skylanders games like after it was the writing was already on the wall for it 
But when Disney Infinity was going, I was like buying the figures. I was buying the games. I was like, oh, yeah, I want these. Yeah, when I worked at Vicarious Visions, uh, most of the people I worked with were on some of the, uh, at least the later Skylanders games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were, they, they had all these stories about how they were doing Toys to Life stuff for just the longest time. Um, which I can't tell. I get, I just realized this can't legally go anywhere, so we have to end the podcast. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so anyway this has been uh back to the future of the game episode one it's about time with mitchy and dusty and uh that's not <laughs> how we norm. how do we end the show <laughs> uh we say where they can find us oh that's right where can they find you dustin they can find me on twitter at amazing dj dustin and if they go to instagram they can find me the exact same way Mitchell Wolf, where can they find you on this big old crazy internet of ours? Uh, if you if you zoom in on Twitter, you'll find me <laughs> at the Wolf FM. That's at symbol T H E W O L F E F M. Also, just to want to give a, a quick shout out to uh, a bunch of our listeners uh, who were saying some stuff about the the podcast. Um, we we got Milo. We've got uh, Andrew. We've got Courtney. I know all these people. We've got Adam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that one's a little fuzzy. Yeah, you know, that's just how it is. <laughs> um, I think I've seen that guy around. Yeah, they're, 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 they're cool folk. They're cool folk. Uh, we got uh, Cameron. Hi, Cameron. Yeah. So all those people, thank you for listening. Uh, and yeah, thank you. all those other people, if you... Uh, if you if you want to get a shout out, you can rate and review the show on iTunes and let me know that you did that by telling me on Twitter or something so I can find it. We may even yeah. read the review if you want us to do that. Mm. Hey, Mitch, can I tell you a little something? You can. This Just on this subject, uh, I want you to know that I told my family about this podcast we do. Like, every time I go over to their house, they're like, what are you up to? I say, oh, I'm, you know, recording this podcast. So they know of it, and they don't listen to it. (laughs) Hey, mine too. (laughs) I wonder if my sister will listen to Walking Dead when we get to it, because she and I played the shit out of Walking Dead together. Yeah, I mean, if there's anything that can get her to listen... (laughs) 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 <laughs> I guess it would be that. Just just get on my knees. Look, please listen to this. Uh, Mitch Mitch really needs it. So that's been the show. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.